0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, whose parent network, the Pharmacy Podcast Network, is dedicated to exploring the pharmacy profession and the pharmacy industry. On the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, we discuss all things pharmacogenomics, and our mission is to educate and advocate for pharmacogenomics. For those listeners who do not know my qualifications to speak on pharmacogenomics, I've been a PharmD for 23 years this past May. And I have 22 years of experience in the pharmacy industry, directing pharmacy operations and clinical pharmacy programs, whose missions were to improve medication safety and efficacy. For the last eight years, I've worked in the pharmacogenomics industry as a pharmacogenomics clinical science and clinical implementation liaison, as well as a certified pharmacogenomics educator. I have provided pharmacogenomics consulting to pharmacogenomics laboratories, pharmacogenomics prescribers, patients, software companies, insurers, employers, and more. And I'm also the host of the Pharmacogenomics for Pharmacists podcast, and that's why we're here today. So thanks for joining me for the second in a series of podcast episodes that I've titled Pharmacogenomics, the State of the Industry, And today we're going to talk about pharmacogenomics education. So I chose this topic because I'm regularly approached by pharmacists seeking my pharmacogenomics expertise as they have realized that uh, despite earning their PharmD degree, some of them having worked um, in the clinical application of pharmacy, and some even having completed a pharmacogenomics certificate program, um, they still feel unprepared to navigate the PGX landscape. Um, They have a lot of questions. Some are not sure where to ask some of these questions. So we're going to take a look today at pharmacy uh, pharmacogenomics education for pharmacists, and we have a very special guest. As we all know, democratizing pharmacogenomics is beset with many barriers, and our special guest today, Dr. David Hurley, knows this all too well. As a biochemistry professor at East Tennessee State University School of Pharmacy, David has taken on the challenge of integrating pharmacogenomics early into pharmacy students' curriculum. He and I have had the opportunity to discuss this program on a couple of occasions, and today we're going to discuss how he has accomplished this task and the positive outcomes that he has seen from this program, and hopefully make suggestions for how other pharmacy schools might incorporate the same type of program into their curriculum. So David, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Thank you, Becky. I appreciate the invitation to be here today.
1: So, David, tell us um, tell us about your education and career path that led you to be a pharmacogenomics educator so that our listeners can better appreciate the knowledge and the wisdom that you bring to the conversation today.
2: Thanks. Um, I have a uh, BS degree in biology and physics from a small liberal arts college, Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. And after that, I went on to get my PhD in molecular biology at Penn State University. Then after some uh, postdoctoral training where I was at the University of Rochester and the University of Rochester Medical School, I ended up joining the faculty at Tulane University in New Orleans back in 1991. And in that role, I established my laboratory as was necessary to do at that point and I also began to teach a course that was developed that was specifically for pre-medical, pre-professional, and um, other graduate students called cellular biochemistry. So by doing biochemistry, I was very fortunate, I found, at first I didn't necessarily think biochemistry was the best thing I ever wanted to do, but I turned, <laughs> turned my mind around <laughs> to figure out that biochemistry really is better than I thought it was. and while i was there i as i said i taught graduate students pre-meds pre-dentistry pre-health science all that Uh, i later moved down to the tulane medical school where i taught the medical biochemistry course and i directed that course and we were very successful because i think the important thing about biochemistry is it can be very exciting when you see the actual applications that come from all these things that are so often overlooked, how exciting it is to understand the Krebs cycle and to understand these enzymes that make these drugs work. Now, unfortunately, being at Tulane University in 2005 was not the right place to be. And my lab was wiped out by Hurricane Katrina. So I left and went to the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy up here at East Tennessee State University when it was just being founded in 2007. And I became the uh, course director and sole professor in the pharmaceutical biochemistry course, which is now called the pharmacogenomics and biochemistry course. And when I first arrived at Gatton College of Pharmacy, I was talking to one of my new colleagues, uh, Sam Harfarouche, and he showed me an article, a letter that he had submitted to AJPE that talked about how important pharmacogenomics was gonna be for the pharmacy profession and how it needed to be included in all pharmacy education. And so over a period of time, Sam and I have worked with each other And I went off and received some training on a variety of different online courses. Um, The course from Christine Aguilera at the University of Colorado, the course from Phil Empey in the Test to Learn system at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and also from the Precision Medicine Academy uh, with Dr. Jeanette McCarthy. And through all of that, I began to realize that I was now able to integrate into my biochemistry course the idea of using pharmacogenomics and teaching it to my pharmacy students. So I've been able to block out uh, an entire five-week session that deals with all of the molecular biology, all of the pharmacogenomics, and I've put that into my course so that I've now been able to really make this an essential part of what biochemistry is to our students.
1: Well, David, you have such an impressive um, education and your work experience, and I love that you've embraced pharmacogenomics at the biochemistry level. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, well, the audience can probably guess how long it's been since I uh, took biochemistry in pharmacy school. Uh, if my teacher or my professor taught me about pharmacogenomics at that time. I'll be real honest. I don't remember. And I probably blew it off because <laughs> I probably just didn't think I'd run into it. But here I am 20 years later and talking about pharmacogenomics. And I'm just excited to hear that, that you're implementing it at such an early stage in the pharmacy education so David, you've you've seen how pharmacogenomics education has been implemented over the years. You you've seen universities. What about pharmacists and pharmacogenomics education are they lacking for um, pharmacogenomics be- to become democratized? You know, what is the lack of education?
2: Well, I think that currently a big part of the the problem with the education-trained pharmacogenomics is, is that it requires a number of topical expertises that people don't necessarily have. So we may have somebody teaching biochemistry, but they not may not be very familiar with genomics and DNA. Or mm-hmm. we may have somebody who knows genomics and DNA, but doesn't know very much about different drugs. Mm-hmm. Or we may have somebody who knows a lot about drugs, but doesn't know some of these other things. And so it requires several different expertise levels that have to come together. And sometimes people tend to always think, oh, that needs to be the one person that does that. In my case, Mm -hmm. I've gone ahead and shouldered that load, But I think that this speaks to the idea that we need to remember that it's a whole bunch of different people that have to work together to make this happen. So that all of pharmacogenomics is always supported by the idea that you know, as they say now, it takes a village to make this happen. Yeah. It takes yeah. people to do that. <laughs> and this is what I think that we sometimes miss is that everyone feels like it should be, well, somebody else should bring this up. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is part of this right now is that currently when we, t- we talk about precision medicine or pharmacogenomics or molecular medicine, we somehow separate that from basic pharmacy or medicine. Mm-hmm. And and they're not really different. We have to remember that medicine encompasses all of these genomic things now, and it's just part of taking the patient's pulse and their DNA and all those other vital factors. And we need to combine those together so that medicine becomes a more unified area of understanding what our patients are really telling us from this type of information.
1: Absolutely agree, David. It's funny that you mentioned that it takes a village uh, to accomplish pharmacogenomics. Um, so, uh, in my current position in medical affairs, our medical affairs team, we we joke uh, the other farm D on the team and the medical director. We joke that we have medical and we have affairs and. <laughs> On the medical side, we have a geneticist and um, clinical pharmacogeneticist, and a PharmD who is very talented at writing the science or the database that goes behind a pharmacogenomics test. And then I concentrate on the uh, what we call the affairs side of medical affairs, so the actual clinical implementation and. Uh, reimbursement issues and and filling in the gaps for or reducing the barriers uh, for getting pharmacogenomics implemented. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, There's so many stakeholders in pharmacogenomics, and and pharmacists are perfectly poised to be experts in those areas. Uh, we we just need to beef up some of our some of our education um, so that we make sure that we get there. And uh, the DNA of pharmacy education, the CAPE outcomes and pharmacogenomics study illustrated this, that pharmacists are very well positioned to uh, clinically apply pharmacogenomic data to optimize medication efficacy, uh, clinical and safety outcomes, and cost effectiveness from their extensive education and training that they receive in pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. and assessing pharmacogenetic effects of variability in protein structure and our function is a logical next step for pharmacists to optimize pharmacotherapy. And, and I think that that correlates with what you said, that learning it on a molecular level and applying it early um, makes it uh, more applicable or maybe makes it clearer in the clinical setting.
2: Yes, I couldn't agree more. And the I think that the lack of translation from some of the uh, ACPE statements, the CAPE statements, things such as that, to the actual where the rubber meets the road to perform this education, part of the disconnect is that there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all solution for every Mm -hmm. school and college of pharmacy. And so I think, as I was saying, you have to look at the things and um, resources that you have at your pharmacy school or your educational institution say, what is it that I can put together here? Mm-hmm. Uh, my background allowed me to be able to wear a whole bunch of hats and try to do this myself. And But mm-hmm. when I looked at it, I said, what we really need to do is before the students begin to learn all of the drugs and all the clinical material, let's introduce them to the basic science of pharmacogenomics and do that as a whole group so that the entire group is introduced to the principals. They're going to then also receive, if they consent, of course, free of charge, get their pharmacogenomic profiles in their first semester of their first year. And so by doing this, we plant the seed in the student's mind now that, hey, this is just a part of looking at all the drugs so that when you go to the cardiology class, or you go to the neuropharmacology class, you begin to remember that, oh, yeah, CYP219 is <laughs> going to be important here. CYP2C, yeah. 2D6, they're all going to start showing up. And that way, as the students learn the drugs, they're already applying the, the pharmacogenomic principles. Great. What I've been able to do, because I'm fortunate enough to teach every lecture in the biochemistry <laughs> class during the whole semester. Is I've molded the what used to be a, a DNA RNA section, DNA RNA protein section. I've molded that into the pharmacogenomics section. And that comes near the end of the course. So early in the semester, I introduced the topics of pharmacogenomics to the students in a broad sense. And then in an um, uh, applied laboratory setting, they then can say, do you consent to have a pharmacogenomic profile done? And most of them do. And we have a lab session where everybody takes their cheek swab and we send those off. And currently we're using the one-ohm med test for that. And the important thing about what we do is through the graciousness of the dean, we've been able to, no one has to pay for their tests. So everyone gets a free pharmacogenomic profile in their first semester of their first year. So while those cheek swabs are all being processed by the wonderful people at 1ohm, then I teach them pharmacogenomics in the basic science sense. And then we come together and have a reveal party in a lab later in the end of the year where everyone begins to look at their profile and begin to say, okay, well, what's going on? We don't do this in any sort of um, predictive sense. We're not trying to tell people that this is good, this is bad. We just want people to understand that they have their own individual data in front of them Mm -hmm. They're using it for the educational basis of understanding now, oh, okay, I heard about this 2D6 in class, and now I can see whether or not I'm good, bad, or indifferent for these different things. Mm -hmm. And so we end up the semester on a high note where everybody now has all the information they need as they go through the rest of their training and into their second and third clinical years and their fourth year with their advanced pharmacy practice experiences. They're gonna be able to start trying to apply this in their own way. I think the important thing that I want to do with this is that until people are familiar with it at this individual level, and until everybody gets it, then we begin to build a cadre of pharmacists that are going to be able to go out, and each of them will bring their own individual values to it, and again, be an important part of the team that will make pharmacogenomics work in pharmacy practice. I agree. I absolutely
1: agree. And Uh, As you and I have discussed, uh, you know, our love is education, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to get to do that in my medical affairs position, and I've done uh, similar to what you're doing, and and that's providing that pharmacogenomics test for the EPI students in our program, and just being there and seeing their faces. When... It becomes real for them, and I'm I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about <laughs> when when they see that report and they're like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, like I'm a part of this now. It, it, you're exactly <laughs> well, right. It it makes it so real for them. Um, we've and, been very we've been
2: very fortunate in that sense uh, to follow that up is that uh, in the first year when we had all the students doing their cheek swabs all at one time. Uh, a local newspaper came and they took this, you know, nice picture of pharmacy students with cheek swabs in their mouth <laughs> and they had a great title on the article. It was the future one swab at a time.
1: Yes. And, I like it.
2: And that's great publicity. We even, we've had a couple of alumni write to us who saw the article and said, man, why weren't you doing that when I was there? You know, Thank I you. want my money back. You're not doing what you need to do. But we've also been able to make contact with some other alumni. We have actually one alumnus, who runs uh, a local community pharmacy, and they're trying to now begin to implement pharmacogenomics practice through their pharmacy and get the right tests and things such as that. It's it's a real, you know, first semester, first year pharmacy students, like all students who have started a new school, they're in search of a common bond. Mm-hmm. That that helps with all the unity and the social things and such as that. And so by having some of this going on, I think at least in part, for some of the students, it it gives them an opportunity that they didn't even think they would have. Um, Many of our students aren't familiar with pharmacogenomics before they arrive. Um, We have a diverse regional group. Half of our students are from rural zip codes and people have a wide variety of backgrounds, how far they've gone through school, how Mm -hmm. deep their learning is, which is not a problem because we teach everybody starting from the same point. But it does mean that for students who didn't know about this, they're getting introduced to it in a sort of uh, social way, a little more interactive than the idea, as was probably beaten into my head a long time ago, that graduate (laughs) students have to go work all alone at midnight drinking coffee.
1: In a lab. (laughs) In a but, lab, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah with
2: and a ball and chain holding you to the bench so you get exactly.
1: the Exactly.
2: <laughs> but the important thing yeah. for our students is this gives them a, another sense of community, and it again, it legitimizes the idea that this is not separate from doing pharmacy. This is yeah. part and parcel of doing pharmacy. Absolutely. And with the idea that we're doing it in the first semester, there are a lot of schools, and as I said, there's no wrong answer, but many schools don't do pharmacogenomics until the second or even the third year and they may make it an optional course or they may say well we can get you a discount on the test if you want to take it right we're trying to do it in a different sense where we say hey it's just something you need to do there's not going to be any cost so nobody needs to gripe or you know avoid yeah. the test because of the cost
1: right we do that
2: and we have this terrific response so that particularly When we now, in order to get their consent, the students, once they say, yes, I wanna do this, and so that we get full IRB approval for all this as an educational project, we then give them a survey at the beginning, and then after they get their test results back, we give them another survey to follow up on some ideas and see what they think and what we can improve on.
1: Wow, yeah. Can you elaborate on some of the responses that you've gotten? Um, I mean, just based on you know, the interactions I've had with the limited number of students thus far. Um, I, I'm, I know they've got to be positive. What what have you seen as, as outcomes? What are the students saying?
2: Well, I think that um, the majority of students are saying, I thought I might know how to do this, but now I really do know a lot more about it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's been very important is that They've all responded that they want to see more time spent on this during their clinical years in their other courses. And so we're beginning to develop this wave of students with this thirst for pharmacogenomics that are moving through the system. We've been doing this at the Gatton College of Pharmacy. Coming this fall will be our fourth year. So that means we will now have an entire college of students that all have their profiles and have all been brought up to spec with that. So we're starting to see there's going to be some attitudinal changes based on that, because now you have a, you know, different set of participants who have different expertise and things such as that. I don't think that there's, you know, I can't summarizing all the results of um, both surveys for 300 people. It's going to be a little (laughs) bit longer than I can do in five seconds here.
1: Yeah. We'll do that on another episode.
2: (laughs) But It's very encouraging to, to read particularly I always like the free text responses more than some of the Likert sure. scales, but some of the students said, this just opened my eyes to something that really should be a part of being a pharmacist. And many students said, I didn't know about this before this, and now I really do see that it is part of being a pharmacist. And that's that's a very that's something you can take home and take to the bank.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's <laughs> That's, that's part of what we've both aiming been aiming for all these years in, in, in education and we yeah. both had this we both had the same trainer uh, Philip MP for test to learn and I, I think we both uh, were inspired and, and were, our goal is is to move pharmacogenomics forward so yeah it's great great to hear that that you guys are having that type of results and like I mentioned, and as I'll promise the audience, we'll do a, an entire episode on and looking at the fine points of your research and drilling down into your um, specific responses and such. And really, you know, we hope uh, David and I have discussed this in a separate conversation. We really hope that um, maybe this program that he's developed at East Tennessee could be duplicated at other schools of pharmacy. Yeah. So,
2: um, yeah. yeah. And just to repeat, I don't, you know, every pharmacy school is going to have different pieces that go together. Sure. sure. And what I was excited about is by doing this in this first semester in the first year and making it free and for everybody, that's a slightly different model than many other pharmacy schools have. Mm-hmm. It's, and for us at, here at the Gatton College of Pharmacy, it fits into what we have. We don't necessarily have a huge sequencing lab that could handle all our samples. Right. for us. So we have to send them off. It, we don't yeah. have a bunch of um, senior people who are going to be able to come in and help us fill this hole or that hole. So I just go ahead and masquerade a little bit, but by taking <laughs> the training that I have, we've put it together. The final right. thing that I want to mention is this continues to change day to day. As you know, the, the companies that provide pharmacogenesis, right testing. That has shifted even in the Mm -hmm. four years that we've been doing that. And Mm -hmm. so it's a very exciting time as some of this begins to ramp up and become more prominent. You know, it's just my single hope that eventually we're going to be able to say that pharmacists all know their pharmacogenomic profile and all the people who do regulatory stuff for healthcare know their pharmacogenomic profile and (laughs) all the molecular biologists know their pharmacogenomic profile. So that everybody's working from the same background, as a way of looking through a single lens to understand what they're talking about.
1: Well, it sounds like your students at your school are well on their way to, to that reality. And it's exciting. And who knows, who knows what we'll see before uh, we're finished advocating for pharmacogenomics. So David, tell us if um, anyone wants to reach you to ask you more questions about your program or, pharmacogenomics in general how can they get in touch with you
2: well i'd be pleased to answer anything from anybody they can email (laughs) me at hurley d h-u-r-l-e-y-d at etsu.edu all right and in closing i again want to say that i really appreciate being here today but that I couldn't have done any of this work without some really important collaborators. And I'd like to just list a few right now. Sam Harfarouche, who got me started. Lynn Dressler, Phil Ampey, Jillian Bell, Lori Borchers, Tim Wilcher, Christine Ashcroft, and Jeanette McCarthy. And you yourself, Becky. I want to thank everyone for all the kind things that they did to help me get started on this.
1: That was great, David. and you're absolutely right. Thank you to all of our, our our educators that have come before us and have taught us the way because eight, nine years ago, I was almost clueless. <laughs> so absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today, David, to talk about this exciting program that you have. And I look forward to recording more episodes on um, integrating pharmacogenomics tests uh, early into the Uh, pharmacy curriculum and speaking with you more about your specific results from your research. So stay tuned, everyone. We've got more coming.
0: Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit PGX4RX.com. That's PGX4RX.com.